Welcome back, folks, to the Brews and Belters podcast, where we talk all things soccer, beginning with the Brews and ending with the Belters. Tonight, we're going to chat FA Cup, international break, and a little bit of England's second division, the EFL championship. Uh, tonight, I'm drinking a robot butcher from Third Space Brewing in Milwaukee. It's a double hazy IPA, uh, a little 7.8 percenter here, Tobes. Uh, with me, as always, is Toby Hinefeld. Tobes, how goes it, and what are you sipping on tonight? Uh, Kegs, I am doing good. How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, I have a Moody Tongue. It is a brewery from Chicago, and this is something I've never even had before. It's a toasted rice lager, 5.5%. Mm. Comes in a bottle. I literally just opened one right before I came on with you, and it like started to like foam out of the bottle. I don't know if you, if you saw this on on camera when I was uh, doing it, but yeah, it went everywhere. So I got one more sitting down here. We'll see if that one explodes while we're doing this, but yeah, first drink. Uh, let me give it, let me give it a quick, quick taste. Way effervescent, kind of like champagne-y. Okay. But then other than that, it just kind of tastes like a very sweet kind of like Bud Light. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. yeah. It's not nothing too special, but it's easy to drink. I could drink a bunch of them. Yeah, maybe carbonation, but yeah. So it's a, uh, it's got the rice in it instead of the standard barley. So the four main ingredients, you know, hops, barley, water, yeast. Uh, that would be this would go against the Rheinheitz Gebot, which is uh the German beer purity law that they have. So it does it has more than just the four ingredients. So pretty good though. Can't complain. Yeah, interesting. Uh interesting style of beer so that's cool appreciate that yeah no definitely and also, we're also going to try tonight sorry keys we're also going to try tonight uh to not have any demonstrators strapping themselves to the goalposts <laughs> during this podcast <laughs> because i feel I like that's what's happening <laughs> yeah Stop oil. The one tech. <laughs> so i mean it's yeah. not a laughing matter because seriously they're taking it serious if they're doing it that much because yeah. that has yeah. to be pretty risky so oh yeah fuck yeah Oh, yeah. Shout out to him. Cheers to him. Um, also, you shot me a link for Lakefront Brewery um, here in Milwaukee, and I meant to snag some of these, but um, they are doing a Ukraine relief donation, and they've made uh, a specific beer called Putin is a Dick, and they have raised uh, $54,000 as of last week. Um, so I'm going to have to buy some of these. I meant to buy some before this pod and feature them tonight. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny and, that, and cool. And you shared that with me. So appreciate it. That's a that's a lot of money for yeah. a six pack of beer. Yeah. To, to raise that much. Yeah. So uh, people have obviously been supporting it, which is cool. So um, yeah, as I mentioned tonight, we're going to get right into it with the FA Cup here. Um, getting down to, to the end of it. Um, so this past weekend, we had Crystal Palace versus Everton. Absolute thrashing. I feel so bad this whole season has just been <laughs> us having to cover Everton matches and very few of them going well. And our boys are, are dear, dear Everton fans. And it's just, it's it's rough. But Palace started off with a corner in the 25th from Michael Olise um, to Guehi. Olise's been phenomenal. He put it right on his head. Guay, you put it far post, side netting, pretty much unmarked in the box, but really good header regardless. Um, Mateta ended up scoring in the 41st after a ball through from Ezzy. 
to Zaha. He put it on a plate for Mateta. Again, pretty poor defending. Everton were just late closing out. Um, and then for the for the rest of the match, it was pretty much goalless till the 79th. Uh, Olise took a weird shot, hit off the post. Zaha tapped it in. And then Will Hughes capped it off with a goal in the 87th off a deflected Gallagher shot. So just a thrashing, man. Um, Everton are hanging around in the prem right now, but it's just they're really wishy-washy with form. They look okay one week and then terrible the next. So that's what's so upsetting. I mean, they were literally coming off probably the high of the season for them. You know, uh, with the demonstrators postponing that game, there was a red card in that game previously in the Premier League with uh, Everton against Newcastle. And Awobi got that, like, what, 97th, 98th minute goal? Like, it was a lifeline on their season, like, absolute lifeline. And then for them to, to have some sort of momentum and going uh, to the FA Cup and not just wet the bed, but like wet the bed and sleep in it all night. Like, it was, it was rough. And, uh, you know, Crystal Palace, sometimes you can outclass talent with good teamwork but i mean crystal palace didn't just outclass them with good teamwork they also outpassed them with better coaching better talent as a whole and yeah they they looked bad everton like their back line is awful like it's so bad like i it's joke saying this but it doesn't look like a premier league back line yeah yeah and uh fair play palace too i mean they're they're not a team to sleep on going into next season. They look really good. I feel like I say it every podcast, but I'm just really high on them. I think if if they continue to pick up players, maybe one or two weapons, um, defensive mid or a defender, they're going to be really, really solid. So, um, Are you a spender in the offseason if you're Crystal Palace? You might as well, unless they got some youth prospects. They might. I don't know much about their, their academy right now, um, who they've got coming up. But, I mean, you look at it. Most of their players they've gone out and bought. Uh, um, um, Edward, uh, Eze, um, I mean, Zaha's been there forever, but I don't think he came up through their academy. Connor Gallagher, they they went out and got. So, I mean, most of their, their quality players have come from transfers. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would think so. I would think so. They're a middle, middle table team now. And, I mean, the Premier League's so competitive, so I don't want to say that they're going to be fighting for Europe next year, but they should be fighting for a top 10 spot for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that should be their goal next next season. So um, moving forward, another thrashing city beat Southampton 4-1. Um, nine minutes in, Adam Armstrong snuck behind, hit a slow roller off the post. Uh, but two minutes later, City come down. Sterling capitalized off a miss hit clearance. Mahrez played it into him in the center of the box. He scores. Um and then City dominate the rest of the half for the most part. Ward Prowse plays a great ball through to Ellie Nassi. He beats Zach Steffen, American Zach Steffen was in goal for him. Um, he's been out for, for quite a while. Um, he tried to play it into the box. It actually deflected off the port and went in for an own goal. So chances for both teams early on in the second half, but in the 60th, uh, Sally Sue clipped Sterling's back heel in the box. Kevin DeBrown finished the penalty as as he always does. And then 15 minutes later, Foden scored a belter off a half volley from just outside the 18. That is one of my belters for the week. Um, Narrow angle, slid it right past the defender into the left side. Keeper couldn't do anything. His view was blocked. And then Mares capped it off with uh, um, a ball that came through the box from Gunawan, took his time, looked up at the keeper. He looked like he might be leaning 
um, for a far post shot, and instead Mares just hit it with pace to the to the near post. Just a great finish from an incredible player. So um, they beat up pretty bad on Southampton, as you would really expect. Southampton solid, but City's just City. Yeah, that's exactly right. Bullies are gonna bully. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool, Nottingham. Nottingham played phenomenal and they played really well. We've been talking about them throughout the FA Cup run. Uh, Liverpool had most of possession, more shots on target, but um, there were some really good chances. Sinker Nagel had one right in front of goal. He absolutely should have finished. Had the entire left side of the goal open, tried to go right side, ended up putting it wide. Um, and then Liverpool's goal came from Jota squeaking through and getting maybe a shoelace on the ball and tipped it past another American goalkeeper, um, Horvath, who we'll probably see tomorrow against Mexico. Very nearly offside. Um, and then a potential late PK for Nottingham. So this is a an interesting talking point here, Toby. The Nottingham player dragged his foot to make contact with Allison's arm. He, he created the contact. And Twelman brought up a pretty good point that we see those calls – we see those called off often, like that is simulation. You're simly simulating that contact, but no yellow card is given where typically you see a yellow card given for simulation. Especially um, in the box. Right, but John Champion countered um, with a really good point as well, that there's a difference between you see players simulate contact when there is no contact at all, and then you see players in with an instance like this where they simulate contact by creating the contact purposely on on their own. Pretty much all Jack Graylish. That's his style of play. He <laughs> yeah. steps in front of a steps in front of a foul every time. Yeah. And so the difference in simulation, I guess, at that point is simulating to create contact and just simulating where there's no contact at all. You know, just a blade of grass and and you flop. So champion's point was that if, if you simulate to create contact, that shouldn't be a yellow. Even though you are simulating, there is still contact there. Um, whereas if you simulate and there's no contact made whatsoever, that should absolutely be a yellow. And I thought I thought that made sense to me. Any thoughts there? Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know if that makes sense how I explained that. Um, no, it does. Because I think <clears throat> I, I think you do award a, a foul or yellow, like a yellow card if – if they are outright diving in my opinion. Yeah. But I think if you're athletic, quick and smart enough to seek a penalty and be able to get it, I think I think you don't deserve a yellow card at that point. I think you deserve the PK. You know, so I I was okay or I'm okay with uh a guy being in the box and the goalie reaching and that guy instead of jumping over, he runs through yeah. the reach and gets tripped. Like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, back, I think, you know, even in the prem, like 10 years ago, it was you stay on your feet at all times, but that's not the case anymore. You know, everyone, I think everyone's too smart and too athletic and they're all looking for the foul. And then the fouls are being given way more than they ever used to be. Yeah. And with VAR though, I mean, he could go back and review this one and he sees, okay, he made the contact. So there is no penalty given, but there's also no yellow given. Yeah. The Which unfortunate. pretty fair. The unfortunate part about that is sometimes those slow, dragged-out fouls look like they can be way more avoided when they're in slow-mo than when they're actually in yeah. real time. So I could see how you wouldn't want it to go to VAR at that point. But, right. I mean, yeah. that's definitely why VAR is in place is to prevent anything like that from happening. Right. 
Um, and then the last match of the weekend, Chelsea beat Middlesbrough 2-0. Um, Chelsea just went in and handled business, trying to win their – trying to get to their second consecutive FA Cup final. Lukaku scored their first goal in the 15th minute after a really well-worked goal out of the back, um, just pinballing the ball around, and they released Mount wide on the right, and he just put one on a plate for Lukaku – probably three yards out from goal, just a laser in on the ground, and Lukaku just tapped it in. Um, and then Zayic with my second belter, a birthday belter, um, on his birthday, cut in from the right side with that left foot of his, ripped one, um, didn't fly into the back of the net, dipped down and bounced just once right in front of the goal, but just too far wide for the keeper to reach and just really well hit ball and, and hit with enough pace to beat him. So yeah, it was like uh like when a pitcher uh short hops the catcher. That's what it reminded me of. Like it was like hit so hard, but then it like skipped like six feet in front yeah. of the goal and just went in. It was perfect. Yeah. It's like Chelsea, a little change up. Yeah, right. Chelsea are party poopers like Liverpool though. Taking out Burrow just like Liverpool did Forest. Kind of upsetting. All the all the baby boys are gone. Yeah, all the magic is gone from the FA Cup. Uh, <laughs> we are left with just four prem teams in the, semi, in the semifinals. Um, I will say Palace, like most people probably wouldn't have – I know I'm on the bandwagon big time, but um, most people probably wouldn't have expected Palace to be in the semifinals with these other three. You have Liverpool versus Man City and then Chelsea versus Palace. Like you look at Liverpool, City, and Chelsea, they were all favorites to win the Premier League this year. Palace was nowhere in that discussion. So cheers yeah. to Palace. I would love to see him knock off Chelsea and end up in the FA Cup final. Um, last year we saw Leicester in, in the final and they went on to beat Chelsea. So again, I mean, the the magic of the the competition is still there um, as, as Palace hold on. So the other major top talking point for tonight is international break. So international break begins tomorrow. We'll get right into CONCACAF. Uh, this is the final window, the final three matches in this um, region. And so the top three get an automatic bid into the World Cup. The fourth will enter a playoff um, against teams from, I believe, the Oceania region. So like Australia, New Zealand, um, Fiji, there's a few others that are randomly grouped into there. So the standings right now, the top six, the top five, excuse me. Canada with 25 points. U.S. and Mexico both have 21. Mexico is down three on goal differential. Panama sits at 17, and Costa Rica sit at 16. And so all the matches coming up basically are, are these teams end up going against each other at some point for the most part. Mm-hmm. So a lot of points can be swapped. Um, I mean, you can potentially move up. Love six point places. swapping. Point yeah, swapping is so always, always good. It's gonna be, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a battle here um, for the for the top three or even really even the top four. Um, so tomorrow's matches, big ones: Panama versus Honduras at eight oh five Central, Mexico versus USA at nine, Costa Rica versus Canada. All huge matches. Um, and I wanted to talk about obviously. We'll focus on Mexico versus USA. Huge rivalry match, huge stakes. Um, Gio Reyna's healthy again. Timothy Weah is in the squad, but they're kind of cautious around him and Zach Steffen um, just because of some injuries and everything. No John Brooks. 
he has been left out of the team. And then Brendan Aronson and Serginho Dest have been ruled out for injuries. Both huge, huge losses. Um, they rely on Serginho and Dest a lot moving forward in attack. And then Aronson just brings a ton of energy as well as technical skill to the team. So um, still questions as far as who's going who's gonna to start at striker between Pepe, Pifak, Jesus Ferreira. Um, Weston McKinney's another player who's out. He obviously picked up a long-term injury with Juventus. So just curious to hear your thoughts and expectations here, Toby. That's great. I will tell them, uh, don't go to the bathroom during this. That happened last <laughs> week. <laughs> and I just like went through the schedule. I'm like, well, here's what they got this week. Here's what they got. Uh, <clears throat> so USA as a whole, um, I guess the real question for tomorrow is, Keeks, they're playing in Mexico. Do you throw the kitchen sink and start your best players? Or do you pad it and then look to move forward with uh who who the USA have moving uh who the USA have coming up on the schedule, which is it's downloading right now, which is uh Panama and then Costa Rica. You know, I don't I don't know exactly what I would do. What are you thinking? I mean you're playing three, four, and five back to back to back. The first one is your biggest rival in one of the more difficult North America, South America environments to play in. I think you got to go all out. And I say that because people don't have much faith in Bearhalter. Um, he rarely sends out a, a set starting lineup. We've, we've talked about this multiple times. You're in the qualifiers. These aren't friendlies anymore. You should have your guys selected. Obviously, injuries play into that. But... I mean, even before these injuries, McKinney, Aronson, Dest, like the lineup changed constantly. So I think you put your best guys out there and you try and make a statement personally. Um, and I mean, while Panama and Costa Rica are good, I think the U.S. shouldn't have an issue with them if they're playing their best and if their best guys are out there and they're clicking and, and they're ready to roll. I, I think that they should beat both of those teams. So I think you go out and try and get three points for Mexico and and take three points away from them. I forget the exact math, but I want to say it was like five points, you're good. Six points, you're, you're pretty much in no matter what. And so if they can, if they can get just a, a tie in Mexico, I think that'd be huge. And then just move forward with wins from that. I, but I, I think you have to go in always with a winning mentality and that's what i'm yeah. hoping they go with tomorrow i'm hoping they don't bring Polisic off the bench or something like that like stick his ass in right away even though he's been in poor form uh for the country but still i think that they they should do that no matter what and that's the thing too like this is the first game of three in a huge window like you have to go out and make a statement if they go but, out and flop if they go out and flop tomorrow that's got to carry over into Sunday and next Wednesday's matches, you would imagine. Either that or they just have their backs against the walls and they have to react. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to come down to that. Like, Send them out there, have them prepared, have them ready to go. And I think this will be a big test for Verhalter to really get them ready to roll and, and just yeah. prepared for the match. Um, so with that, you know, tomorrow um, we ran through those matches and then Sunday, the second leg, uh, or not the second leg, but the second round of matches. You got Canada versus Jamaica, Costa Rica versus El Salvador, U.S. versus Panama, and Mexico versus Honduras. Um, U.S. with the toughest of the matchups there. 
Um, Jamaica, El Salvador, and Honduras are at the lower end of the table. So, again, a huge match for U.S. And then Wednesday, you got Panama versus Canada, which will be a great one. U.S. versus Costa Rica, and then Mexico versus El Salvador. So I would argue that that Mexico actually probably has the easiest window. U.S. and Canada have have tougher matchups all the way through the week. Um, so yeah, I mean, even further reiterating, I think you really got to go after Mexico and try and take those points away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I, I mean, we already talked a little bit about the lineup, but a guy who impressed me last time out, especially you know, in the midfield um, with McKenney out, you would assume Tyler Adams has to be in there. Um, and then, you know, Wea or Reyna can either play up top, more likely up top, or they can play in the midfield. But um, De La Torre was, was really impressive to me. I thought Acosta played pretty well as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Acosta, Adams, and De La Torre in the mid, or Musa could also play there. Um, and then up top, I would assume if, if they're, if Bearhalter's really going to go after him, I would assume Reyna and Pulisic on the wings and then Pepe in the striker position, but it could be, you know, any one of those three, Pepe, Pifak or Ferreira, I would expect to maybe see Wea off the bench since he's dealt with some injuries and hasn't been playing a ton at, um, Lille. You know, we saw him come off the bench in the Champions League instead of start. So um, that's kind of what I expect. I don't know if you have any particular expectations as far as the lineup goes. Um, at right back, I know they have a, a couple different options to to slide in for best. Um, Joe Scali is one that stands out to me. He's a, a right back from um, Mönchengladbach. But there, I know they've got two or three other options as well, um, all guys that play over in Europe. Yeah, the, I think the right back is going to be a problem. Um, I, I'm assuming they – I don't know if they'd maybe slot DeAndre Yedlin on the right side or if they're going to – I don't know what they would do because I'm assuming Anthony Robin, uh, Robinson is going to be uh, – Jedi is going to be playing on the left. So it's whoever wants to be playing on the right at that point. Um, but as for midfield, I, I want to say it's going to be a huge loss not having McKinney, but I think there's enough – talent on the roster and i mean i think even geo reyna you could probably even stick in that position if you really needed to like someone to play in the dead center of the pitch and just move back and forth box to box pretty much i mean he he can handle that um tyler adams hasn't been in great form but i mean he always shows up whenever it matters for the u.s um so i think he'd be able to help geo reyna kind of be that creative midfielder um but I would prefer Gio Reyna to be on one of the sides. Yeah, I agree um, with Adams. I mean, I, I he usually shows up for USMNT. For me, he's been their best player through and through uh, for all of the World Cup qualifiers, and he plays the most important role back there in a defensive mid position. So um, moving on into the European playoffs. So right now, um, I forget, it's like 10 or 11 teams automatically advance from Europe. And then there are three paths is what they call them, or basically groups of four teams. And so those four teams um, are split into two matches within those, within those groups. And so the two winners advance to face each other. And then the winner of that match will advance out of that path or that group, earning one of the three playoff spots. Hopefully that makes sense. So three groups, four teams, two matches, you know, 
two of those teams play each other. Um, and then the winner plays each other for that playoffs, one of the three playoff spots. So in path A, we have Wales versus Austria. The winner of that will face the winner of Scotland versus Ukraine, which has been postponed um, due to Russia and Ukraine. Um, path B is was Russia versus Poland. Poland will automatically advance to face the winner of Sweden versus Czech Republic. And then path C will be Portugal versus Turkey, and the winner of that will face the winner of Italy versus North Macedonia. So we will see only one of Italy or Portugal in the World Cup, which has yeah. been big, big news recently. So I mean, this this tournament's like a twelve team, in essence, Royal Rumble. Yeah. Like match in the cage, whatever it's called. Cage match, wrestling. yeah. Cage match, yeah. Hell in yeah, a cell, cage. baby. Yeah, hell, hell in a cell. cell. Uh, that's, I think, what I was going for, but I said cage in a match <laughs> or match in a cage instead. But uh, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, Italy, I, I mean, they're not going to have any problem against North Macedonia. Even with that. I hope not. Uh, and then uh, Mario Bellatelli is no longer on, on the roster right now. Uh, Got called up for like a sweet month, and then yeah, yeah, just just long enough to remember that he's up there. Um, <laughs> but I think Austria Wales that's going to be a good game, in my opinion. Uh, Czech Republic Sweden I think will also be a good game. Uh, got that give me give me a ginger from Sweden num number twenty one. His name is Kulalevsky, so yeah. we got a little Kulalevsky uh, chant going on. Uh, it's, I I like Sweden in that one, and then as for Turkey Portugal. I think this is actually a tougher game than what people are thinking. Turkey's not bad. Like they're, yeah. they have good talent, uh, yeah. but I mean, I still, I still think this is all going to boil down to Italy and Portugal, which is kind of sad to think because I really like Wales and I th think Sweden and Czech Republic are good teams as well, especially how they played in the Euros. And then we're even forgetting Scotland who are like kind of our darlings as well with Shea yeah. Adams and all those guys. Well, the thing is, so with each path, one team advances from all of those. They don't end up playing each other. So either Wales, Austria, Scotland, or Ukraine will advance out of path A. Poland, Sweden, or Czech Republic will advance out of path B. And then out of path C, it'll be Portugal, Turkey, Italy, or North Macedonia. So we will see three of these teams out of the 12 advance. It's yeah. not just one out of the 12. So I do think Wales versus Austria will be a great matchup. I think Austria is a better team, but Wales do have a lot of talent. Um, and then they'll go on to face, you know, the winner of Scotland versus Ukraine, which I think will also be an amazing matchup whenever it does happen. So um, we'll see what happens here. All of these you, first round matches. Oh, go ahead. Do you think it should happen? The Ukraine? Ah, yeah, I don't know. Um because I can understand just kicking Russia out and being like, all right, Poland, you advance. With Ukraine, mm -hmm. I don't know what you do because it's tough to to ask those guys to play. Um, at the same time, who knows? Maybe it's a, a huge sense of pride for them. Maybe they come out fired up and ready to go, and it's a way to give the country hope. Um, if you cancel it, I don't know what you do. I don't know if you say, hey, Ukraine, you go ahead and move on, or if it's a Russia situation where it's like, yeah. hey, you're just out of the tournament and Scotland gets to move on. Cause I feel like that would almost even be worse. Yeah. You know, if, no. if they just kicked him out. So I don't know. It's a weird situation there. I, I want this to become like a Disney movie 
Like, I want Ukraine to win this, to win all their fixtures, and I want them to make it to the World Cup. And, like, that that in alone, it's would be huge. You know, they, they go on to win qualify. it. Well, they don't even have to win it. They could lose everything in the World Cup. But as long as they qualify for the World Cup, like, during this time, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on from that, um, all of these first round matches will be played tomorrow at two forty-five central. Second round matches or the the finals of each group or path will be played Tuesday, March 29th at uh, one forty-five central time. So, so Keeks, if you're say Team England or Spain, are they just friendlies right now? Correct. They've already have all the other European qualifiers, correct? Yeah, I don't even know if they're playing friendlies. Honestly, I haven't I haven't looked that up. So they might think, just be resting, or yeah, I would assume they're probably playing friendlies just to stay in shape. And yeah, I think they're playing friendlies right now. Um, so qualifiers pretty much going on everywhere minus Europe with this tournament. You have Asia, you have Africa, you have North America, and then you have South America. And yep. is the Oceanic? Are they still doing something as well? I believe not, so because I think they get started with their qualifiers later. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, the the Asian section, their qualifying started so long ago. Then it got paused for so long. Like, it's wild. Like, there was, like, hundreds of days in between their qualifications, you know, because they had to take a break even further into uh, the COVID part because their countries were a lot more locked down than others. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm going to run through this real quick. So the World Cup qualifying that's going on in the Asian section, they get four and a half slots, like what you were kind of talking about. There's four bids, and then the fifth team is playing for a playoff, um, which I'm not for sure when that takes place. But if technically the USA might qualify for that if they wet, if they don't do so well this next these next three games, they might be that that team that has to go there and play in a in a one or two game playoff. Uh, but as of right now, Korea and Iran are both uh, secured two spots. Uh, a human less Korea did pretty well last time. Um, so they've already qualified, but they are still uh, – they do still have, I want to say, two more games left. Um, so as of right now, the big, the big question is between Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Japan, and Australia. And uh, Australia plays both of those teams, uh, Saudi Arabia and Japan. So – Pretty much when you're in, lose, and the other team's in uh, is kind of how it goes. So it's it's all dependent on Australia. Uh, their first game is against Japan. I, if I remember right, it's against Japan. And Japan has a lot of injuries with, like, uh, Tomiyasu uh, and a few other ones. So they're going to probably need to have that Minamino time coming up, uh, yeah. which I think he's – I'm not saying he's too small for the Premier League, but he's definitely set up. <laughs> for for the Asian section, like his body type and his skill set, he's so freaking fast. Like I think he'll be just fine there. He doesn't get bodied by defenders as much there as others. Uh, and then as for Australia, they are without their one of their best players. There's uh, the star uh, Celtic midfielder uh, Tom Rogic, and then they're missing two to three guys from COVID as well. So their backs are up against the wall playing uh, moving forward against uh, Saudi Arabia and Japan. Yeah. That surprises me that Australia is in the Asian qualifiers. I thought they would be Oceania, and I think I even said that earlier, so my mistake. But 
Uh, yeah, Minamino's played well when called upon for Liverpool this year, so definitely expect to see him make an impact. Um, he's been great in the FA Cup and just in the Premier League when he's got minutes. So um, we did want to cover as well the EFL Championship, second tier of English football. So we talked last week about a lot of the Premier League teams that are in the relegation zone currently. Um, but we want to touch on some of the teams that could potentially be moving up into the Premier League next season. So right now it looks like Fulham have booked their ticket. So the way this works, the first, the top two teams advance automatically. They're promoted into the Premier League. And then third, fourth, and fifth go into, uh, and maybe sixth actually. Am I screwing this up? Third, fourth, and fifth, I know for sure, and I want to say sixth. Yeah, it is. It's the top two auto advance, and then three, four, five, and six. Yeah. They play in a, a, a four, 14 tournament. 14 playoff, yeah. Yep. Um, so right now, Fulham have pretty much booked their ticket. They sit at 77 points in first. Bournemouth are in second with 69 points. Lutontown and Huddersfield both have 63. Sheffield are at 61. And then Blackburn Rovers are at 61 as well. So that rounds up the top six. Um, so really tight race there for third and then fourth, fifth, and sixth. Um, just some stats, Alexander Mitrovic, which we've covered before, 35 goals this season. Um, the record coming into the season was 33 set by Ivan Toni um, of Brentford. He set that, I think, while he was at Queens Park Rangers, I want to say. Um, Dominic Solanke of Bournemouth has 23 goals, and then Ben Brereton-Diaz, Stoke-born player with Chilean ancestry that we've actually highlighted in past episodes um, while talking about CONCACAF qualifiers. He has 20 goals. Um, so just a little bit of history as well. Some of these clubs are, are some of the oldest remaining clubs in the FA. Nottingham Forest, um, which we've discussed in the FA Cup, they were in the third tier last season, and, um, and they've worked their way up. Uh, they're like middle of the table now, um, top half of the table now, actually, in the championship. Um, but they were found in 1865, 157 years ago. They were last in the Premier League 1998-99 season. Blackburn Rovers, who are fighting for promotion right now, founded in 1875, 147 years ago. Um, last saw the Premier League in 2012. So um, a little more. Yeah, yeah. A little more perspective, you know, Nottingham, third division last year, um, now top half of the table. Blackburn were finished the season in 15th in the championship last year, now sitting sixth. And then Huddersfield, who are in fourth currently, finished 20th in the championship. Yeah. Um, Luton Town finished in 12th. They sit in third right now. So huge jumps for a lot of these teams um, to finish last season, lower half of the championship and potentially – you know, going up into the mm -hmm. Premier League next season. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty much Fulham's a definite lock. Bournemouth at this point, I would say they're close to a lock as well, being six point six points above third place. Um, but as for the rest, I mean, with what you were saying, if my math is right, there's eight teams that are within six points of third place, roughly, yeah. um, if I'm right with that. Yeah, so <clears throat> two teams that are really hot right now. Uh, first and foremost is the 10th place team, Millwall. Uh, they've been in the unbeaten in the last eight matches, uh, either win or draw. And then another one is uh, Luton Town that you're saying, which has been third. Uh, they've won five of the last seven. 
Um, so they have dropped some points, but they've picked up 15 as well. Um, <clears throat> so I expect those two to do really well. And then uh, Huddlesfield as well as, uh, has five of the last eight games on the schedule at home. Um, as for Lutton Town, uh, I would like to see them get it just because there's so much hype around that uh, team right now. Uh, evidently, they have already had plans in place and pretty much agreements to uh, expand and build a whole new stadium. So it would be huge for them to get in the Premier League and get that revenue from uh, all the money from the TV backing. Um, and with that, April 15th, I think, is going to be one of the bigger days with Huddlesfield playing QPR and uh, Lutton playing uh, Nottingham Forest. So pretty much your third, fourth, and then what was I saying, ninth. And so four of those teams that are within that striking range of of third place, they're all going to be playing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean Nottingham Forest, another team that's hot, as as we've mentioned multiple times. So, pretty exciting race there uh, for that top six. Other than that, really, all I have is Belters, Cheers, and Booze, and I'll start it off with the Cheer actually because it it kind of goes into one match I want to talk about, and that was El Clasico on Sunday. Um, Barcelona just abused Real Madrid. Real didn't have Benzema. Modric was playing like a false nine position. He looked totally out of place. Uh, multiple pundits said, you know, one of the only times you'll ever see Luka Modric out of place just because he's playing in a position he never plays in. Um, but my cheers for Jaffe. Barcelona have taken 26 points of the 30 points available in their last 10 La Liga matches. They're still alive in the Europa Um they're in the quarterfinals. Obama Yang has been resurrected. Dembele has been resurrected. You know, there are rumors of him leaving. Um, one of the quotes Xavi had when he took over was that he was going to get the most out of Dembele, and he has. Dembele looked phenomenal. Um, Obama Yang has looked really, really good. Uh, also, they just signed Frank Kessier, so he will transfer to them in the summer on a free, by the way. This dude's worth like 40 million euros right now. And they just got him on a free. So amazing piece of business. You would assume he'll take over for Sergio Busquets as he's aging. Um, Kessier will, will kind of be a changing of the guard there. So just cheers to Xavi. Uh, I was afraid that it was going to be one of those situations where a former legend player bites off a little bit more than he can choose. Barcelona were in a terrible place coming into the season. Um, first half of the season, they looked terrible. And they've really bounced back. So it's exciting to see. I'm not really a Barcelona fan, but I mean, just one of those legendary clubs that it doesn't feel the same when they're not good, you know? Yeah. No, and Abomiang hit us with the Goku Dragon Ball Z instant transmission celebration. Definitely always into that. Yep. Yep. So, Love the Dragon going. Ball Z uh, football crossover. It's good. It's, it's, that's, well, it's just good for the brand. It's just good for it the is. brand, really. Speaking, speaking of the brand, my cheer is for Jack. I don't like L's. I give them out and chop them up. Harlow uh, being pictured with Ronaldinho. Uh, <clears throat> so what's so cool about this isn't just because it's Ronaldinho and he's awesome, uh, but it's also for the fact that I clicked on the main picture that was sent and everyone was like, who is that with Jack Harlow? <laughs> so it got me thinking, <clears throat> which guy is more recognized worldwide and then which guy is more recognized in the u.s worldwide ronaldinho obviously 
has to be if it's not that's really depressing um and then in the u.s i don't know actually because if you're younger than like 23 years old jack harlow for sure um I'm, i'm curious what that cutoff is for age where like the majority under this age recognizes jack harlow and the majority over this age recognizes ronaldinho you know what i mean yeah yeah that's what I'm not for sure because you ask like our parents and they're probably not going to know either of them. Yeah. But you ask any one of our of our people our age, they're definitely going to know Ronaldinho. But I don't know yeah. if they would know Jack Carlo, honestly. Like they yeah. might know a song or two, but not what he looks like. Right. Yeah. So I think there's definitely a a pretty bold line there where I I feel like there would be a cutoff. Yeah. So it's interesting. Do you have a boo? I do have a boo. Um, I heard the news today that Russia put in a bid to host the Euros. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> have the least... I mean, I know it's asking the world to ask Russia to have the least bit of tact. But have some fucking tact. With everything going on, you're like, oh yeah, we'll put in a bid for the Euros. That's a good <laughs> idea. And there's been a lot of conversation, too, about... Um, you know the propaganda of the World Cup that was hosted at the re- the the most recent World Cup, which was hosted at Russia, mm-hmm. where it's like, all right, we're hosting the World Cup. Let's all be on our p's and q's. Putin's gonna shake hands and smile and put on a, a show and everything. And it's like, you know, that that to an extent is media propaganda that is making a, a tumultuous country appear really good. That's being a gracious host to all of your visitors from all over the world who then go home and say, you know what, Russia isn't that bad. And then a few few years later, you see their true show, true colors show. So I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that is just further um, media manipulation, further attempts at, at kind of um, scrubbing their mistakes and, and um, yeah, I mean, just scrubbing their mistakes from, from the record by trying yeah. to sports to do it. Sport washing is, is I guess the media term for it. So I wasn't going to share this, but Hector Bellerin, uh, I think he's Palestinian so that the war in Palestine was completely ignored. No one talked about it in Yemen and Iraq too. Russia was excluded from the world cup and yet other countries did the same that Russia has done many, many years. So I mean, I think he, he's just coming out with, like, it's a double standard that FIFA is cracking down on Russia when, you know, other countries have invaded in other parts of the world. And it's like we don't we turn our backs and we don't uh, we ignore that part of it. Yeah. So so I get I don't know. I, I kind of think there might be is a little bit of a double standard with this. But yeah. I also think Russia is a lot more of a powerhouse when it comes to some of this stuff. So, I mean, this is the political side of it that's disgusting that I don't really want to even put my feet in. Right, yeah, and that that is a big box to unpack because unpack because you can go really deep into that. Um, so it it may be for another place another time, but I completely agree and think he's got a a great point with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is. I mean, even even when Russia was uh, attacking Ukraine, you know, there were I, I forget the number, but something like thirty to forty bombs dropped in that first day that Russia attacked Ukraine, and you didn't hear a peep of it. Um, so I mean. Yeah, a fair point and props to him for speaking up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Harry Kane also said either yesterday or today that he's uh, wanting to get a lot of the uh, world cup teams, their captains together 
and to talk about human rights and what it's like in Qatar and kind of be more, I guess, unified and organized uh, yeah. with the message. Um, because I think a lot of people are glossing over that. It looks really sexy to have World Cup in Qatar and not realize all the people that are uh, affected yeah. by it. The workers by being it. exploited. and yeah, Exactly. Yeah, probably not Harry Kane's idea. It was probably somebody else's idea. He just didn't <laughs> it, but, you're such a but hater. either way, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I think that is great to go into the World Cup, you know, with a plan and and be strategic yeah. and and everything. So that's great. Um, okay, we did our cheers and booze. I gave my belters. Foden, Zayech. What else? you you got any belters? So I got two. I have a boo as well. We skipped over okay. that. I didn't know if you want to talk about my boy Mike Dean, the party pooper. Uh, the uh, official is retiring. End of this year, Mikey D. So, so thoughts and prayers to Mike Dean. Uh, he's been by far like I don't even know what official to put him with, but he's like the most recognized official. Like I always know when Mike Dean's on the pitch because yeah. he always makes like one yellow card that's too rash in my opinion, yeah. just to kind of prove that he's there. Um, so, I'm, it, yeah. <clears throat> but with that being said, like he's been pretty legit. So yeah, um, Belter wise, Bayern Munich's. Kingsley Komen, his uh, it's more of a like bending belter, I guess is the best way to describe it. But uh, cut on his inside, got it on his right foot, and uh, just smoked one past the Union Berlin goaltender. Huge. Follow us on uh, Bruising Belters on uh, Twitter, and you would have seen that. Yep, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we just got our second order of hoodies out. Toby, I will be back in town and delivering some of those to you um, this weekend. Got a bunch out. Shout out all the work homies. Um, I mean, we had like 40, 45 orders or something like that. A ton of people from work bottom, a ton of people from back home bottom. So shout the out brand, everybody. The brand is growing. The brand <laughs> grows. Yeah. So we definitely want to do some more merchandise and, and just fun little shit like that down the road. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to Ruma Sports in uh, Union Grove, Wisconsin. They made and printed the the hoodies. So, um, yeah, shout out to everybody buying them. Shout out to everybody following us. Um, and I think that's it. That yeah, is definitely else? it. No, that's it. All right. Peace, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.